Praise the Lord, saints. Tonight we all have a big feast. We are going to enjoy Hebrew chapter 9. Uh, that is a very rich chapter. And talking about the blood, the sacrifice, and the tabernacle. Uh, what's the subject here? Is we got a better blood. We got a better covenant. And also is a more perfect tabernacle. Amen. How about before we come to Hebrews chapter 9, let's enjoy hymn number 769. Hymn number 769. Amen. We're going to enjoy some of the furnitures in the tabernacle.
till his grace on us is poured. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, Amen. his grace on us is pouring. Amen. 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 Touching deeply, rich eye of himself experience. Thus Amen. the law of life I touch and dear anointing saints. Amen. 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 If I touch with his riches, fold I'll be. Life Amen. and light and love and grace as the stream will flow through us. Amen. 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 In my spirit, I will while you touch the Lord, I love. in his hidden death, and his hidden man approved. Amen. 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 To now I'd return, for to here the Lord I meet. Oh, Amen. how blessed is, he's within, in me complete. Amen. 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 Life's water flow through me, and my spirit joins with His. Amen. Within, in me complete. Christ Amen. will be exhibit, exhibited as Amen. a will flow, will flow through me, and His anointing sense, and His hidden manner prove. I Amen. will then accepted be into so and he will serve the Lord as priest till his grace on us is poured. Amen. 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 I will then accept that be. Amen. 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 Now the holiest place of all, right within my spirit is, here the Lord in me abides, and my spirit joins with his. Amen. Amen. Fragrance of the risen Christ through our spirit may be spread. If in mm. spirit we will pray, Christ will be exhibited. Amen. 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 If in spirit hear my charge, with his riches filled I will be, life and light and love and grace, as a stream will flow through me. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, saints, if you got pen, you can write in your own hymn now with this hymn. And... As you saw in verse one, we come to the holier place. We get inside the veil, not the curtain. The curtain is the outer one. The veil is the inner one. Mm -hmm. And we come and we, in verse one and in verse two, that we come to the holiest place um, that is right within my spirit. That is a picture 
all of all this is a picture. The reality is in my spirit. And in verse three, you write there, the propitiation place. Mm-hmm. The lid, the cover of the ark is the propitiation place. Uh, in there, we have, in there we have on top of the ark between the two cherubim, that little chamber, that is a place that we want to meet the Lord. We want to have his speaking. That is the meeting place. You don't go to the Holy of Holies and go everywhere, but you go on top of the ark between the two cherubim. That, that, that place, that is the place we enjoy speaking. And then verse four, that is fragrance. Underline the word fragrance. Fragrance of the resurrected Christ. That we come to the Holy of Holies, we come with the fragrance. That is the the censer, the censer, the one who carried the, the fragrance, the incense. So the high priest, they come with the censer that is to enjoy the resurrected Christ. And then in verse five, in the spirit we touch with the, uh, with the life, light and love and grace as the stream will flow through us. Is that wonderful? <clears throat> Here is not just like in the outer court, all the condemnation. But here, the blood, the blood meets all God's need. The two cherubim looking, looking on top of the ark. What they saw, what the cherubim saw, they saw blood. They saw blood. Here, because of the blood, we enjoy life, light, love, and grace. Verse 4, you have the fragrance. Verse 5, you have the blood. And verse 6, we come inside the ark. We have the law. Third line, the law of life I touch and his clear anointing sense. Verse 6, talk about the law. Verse 7, talk about the hidden manna. You underline the law in verse 6. You underline hidden manna on verse seven. Okay. And verse eight, you underline the sprouting buds. That is Aaron's rock. Okay. Inside the ark, we have three items. The law of the tablet, we have the hidden manna, and we have the, 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 the sprouting rod. That is all are in the hymns. And in verse nine, that is our rejoicing. Here I find the throne of grace where the living water flows. That is God speaking as river full of grace into me bestow. Verse 10, then whenever we meet saints, what happened? Then we go out to meet with God's people, all our spirit will release. 
mingle with our spirit, and we will serve the Lord as priests. Amen. This is our status. The priest is enjoy the Lord in the Holy of Holies. Verse 11, conclusion. This is the holiest place. This is the holiest place too, where we all may touch the Lord, touch his throne in many ways, till his grace on us is poured. Amen. Wonderful. We're gonna sing this again. Okay. Now we will enjoy this hymn in the holy of holies. Amen. Etienne, can you play the music again? Then well, maybe you can turn off your audio, but you can turn on your video. Amen. <laughs> then we're going to enjoy uh, this hymn together, uh, 769. All right. Amen.
scripture now adrian would you tell us um oh, wonderful so uh may we all touch the throne of grace tonight Amen. come forward to the holiest place oh enter into the holy of holies lord amen amen so we're gonna read uh hebrews chapter 9 tonight um we'll read the whole chapter wonderful so i don't know if you got through all of your reading um, we didn't get through quite all of the verses in our reading, but it's okay. I think we'll just cover um, the main verses and uh, we'll highlight some verses and maybe even cover all of them. I'm not sure. Um, so uh, I'm going to share something um, uh, which is about the, it's related to the two covenants. So last week, we already started to see something of the new covenant. And dear brothers and sisters, I'm so thankful that we can get into this matter of the new covenant together. Um, because this has always been a, a, a bit of a mystery to me. To be able to understand what is the new covenant? <laughs> and what is it to do with me? So uh, what we see in the first portion of this chapter um, and I'll cover up to verse 15, is we actually see a type and a reality. So we see a type of the old covenant and the reality of the new covenant. If we didn't have these two types, then it would have been very difficult for us to understand the covenant. So these two types are related to uh, this matter of the tabernacle. Now, this also is very, it, it seems a bit bizarre, right? In verse 2, it says, For a tabernacle was prepared, the first, in which was the lampstand, okay? And then later on, it says, um, uh, oh, I can't get that verse now. But anyway, the point is that, that, there seems to be a first tabernacle and a second tabernacle. But surely there was just one tabernacle in the Old Testament. But actually what the writer is showing us is he says the first tabernacle in verse 2 also, it says it's called the holy place. And then he says after the second veil, there was another place. And this place was called the holy of holies. So these two in a sense, tabernacles, the holy place, the first tabernacle, and the second tabernacle, the holy of holies. These two are equated to the covenant. So the first tabernacle is the first covenant, the old covenant. The second tabernacle is the new covenant. And so because we have these two symbols of the first tabernacle and the second tabernacle, now we have a symbol showing us what the testaments are so now we're able to enter into these realities of the old testament and the new testament now what we did have in the old testament it says that we had a, a lampstand and we had a table so we had some light we had some shining and we had some nourishment so that was wonderful right 
you can come to the holy place and there you can find light shining. And light can bring, it can bring light into your situation. You can be supplied and nourished. But you know what you don't have? You don't have the presence of God in the holy place. The presence of God, you had to go into the second layer. You had to go into the holy of holies. Not only did you not have the presence of God, you also didn't have God speaking. God speaking was upon the propitiation cover, the propitiation place. That is where God would meet with man. That is where God would speak to man. So the high priest could go in there and he could hear God speaking to him. So you had God's presence. You had God speaking in the Holy of Holies. Well, that you did not have. Neither of those you had in the holy place. The third thing that you did not have in the holy place is you did not have contact with God. You couldn't contact God. You had no way to, to come into God's to come into contact with him. And so that meant you couldn't meet with God. So these four things, you didn't have God's presence, his speaking, no contact and no meeting with God. And uh, today, unfortunately, dear brothers and sisters, this is the situation of many dear believers. Many of us find ourselves in the holy place where we have some shining and we have some nourishing. But we have not yet entered into the second veil. We have not yet passed through the first veil. We are still remaining in the first tabernacle. But the, the, the writer in the book of Hebrews, remember, he's writing to the Hebrew Christians who were kind of staggering. They, were, they, they had to be the river crossers, right? That's what a Hebrew is. He's a river crosser. He comes forward. But they were staggering. They were kind of remaining behind. So he wants to show them something. Listen, you can now enter into the Holy of Holies. Do not stagger. Do not remain behind. Do not linger behind in the holy place. Yes, it's good you have the, the, the lampstand. It's good you have the, the, uh, the showbread table. But you need to come forward. And then what did you have in the Holy of Holies? There it says in verse 4, having a golden altar. So in the Old Testament, the golden incense altar was actually uh, in the holy place, right? It was just outside of the veil. But you know what the incense altar signifies and its function? Its function was to bring us into the Holy of Holies. It was our prayers ascending with the resurrected Christ to God as a fragrance that's acceptable to God. So really the, the golden incense altar is like the way entering into the Holy of Holies. So the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, he's saying, no, no, the golden incense altar, it belongs to the Holy of Holies. It belongs in the, in this, uh, in the new, it belongs to the new covenant where you have God's presence, where you have contact with God, where you have his speaking, where you're meeting with God. So the golden incense altar, in a way, it is our entrance. But you know what, dear saints, this is so precious to me. It's not just our entrance to the presence of God. We're not just coming to the presence of God, but we're coming to God himself. This is something that I do hope many of us will be deeply touched with, is that the way is now open for us, not just to, to have uh, some, some uh, 
kind of outward. We don't just have to be. We don't have to just remain in the light and having the showbread table. But we can come to God himself. Dear brothers and sisters, we want to, we want to have this experience. And then uh, there was the, then it says further on, uh, there was the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And that it was covered with, uh, about everywhere with gold. And so anyway, this was the place where God would speak to man. Okay, now uh, let's go to verse 8 and 9. And it, here it says, the Holy, of, the Holy Spirit thus making this clear, that the way of the Holy of Holies has not yet been manifested, while the first tabernacle still has its standing. So, um, this these, these, two, these two tabernacles, the first tabernacle, oh, here it mentions the first tabernacle, right? That was the other verse I was thinking of. Is Here it speaks of the first tabernacle still has its standing. So when the first tabernacle still has a place, then, then what happens is there's no way, right? The way hasn't been made clear yet. But then he says, which is a figure for the present time. So before the Lord Jesus came, the way to the Holy of Holies was not that clear. In fact, only the high priest had this access. But then it says, according to this tabernacle, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which are unable to perfect according to conscience, him who worships. So, so there wasn't this way to to enter into the, the, the second tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. But dear brothers and sisters, when Christ came, what he did is that veil that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies, that veil was torn. So now, in the, in the Old Testament, the high priest, you could go into the Holy of Holies. He could have God's presence. You could contact God. You could have God speaking. You could, you could meet with God. But you could only do it once a year. And only the high priest could do this. But today, the way has now become manifested. Now the way is open for every brother and every sister. Dear, dear saints, we should not linger behind. We should not stagger like the Hebrew believers in the first tabernacle, but we are encouraged to come forward to the Holy of Holies and enter and enter into the Holy of Holies to not remain in the holy place, to not remain in the first tabernacle. And so the, the, the first covenant, the old covenant, that covenant is equal to this uh, tabernacle. So the, the key to this portion in Hebrews is to realize that the, the first covenant is really the Old Testament, is really the first tabernacle. These things are the same thing. So you know what happens when you enter into the 
Holy of Holies. When you enter into the Holy of Holies, you are in the reality of the new covenant. The old covenant was a type. It was merely a type. It was showing us things that were to come. It was showing us things that Christ had, but it didn't have the reality of those things. But today, the way to the Holy of Holies is open. The Holy of Holies, even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Covenant age, the high priest actually experienced the New Testament reality. He experienced the presence of God. He experienced God speaking. He experienced meeting with God. He experienced uh, this contact with God. So he had it. He had it in a sense, the Holy of Holies was not a type, but it was a reality. So the type of the old covenant is this first tabernacle. There was no reality of God there. But the reality of the new covenant is the Holy of Holies. So dear brothers and sisters, this is what I want us to see tonight. Is that as soon as we... Enter into the Holy of Holies, which we've seen previously, is by the dividing of our soul and our spirit, right? It's our spirit is, is the Holy of Holies. Our spirit is the throne of grace. Our spirit is this place where we meet with God, where we contact God, where we have his presence, where we have his speaking. So as soon as you exercise your spirit and you touch your spirit, you know what you have? You have the new covenant. The new covenant is real to you. But at the same time, there is a warning to us. The Hebrews, the Hebrew believers in the book of Hebrews, they were believers. They were genuine believers. They were Christians, just like we. But they were staggering. And so instead of living in the new covenant as a reality, they were remaining in the old covenant. The, these covenants are almost like a, it's, it's a dispensation. It's an age, right? And I used to think, okay, so the Lord has come. A new age has come, right? It's now the age of the church. We're no longer in the age of the law. But you know what? That dispensation, that age, that new covenant, it's not real to us except in our spirit. So it's not like we're waiting for this time to come. Okay, now there's going to be something uh, going to happen. And then, of course, the Lord had to come in person to establish the new covenant and to fulfill the new covenant and to consummate the new covenant through his blood. And we'll see that later on in, the, in, in this chapter. But even though the Lord has come and he's established all of that, what is a, a great risk to us is that we could be staggering and still somehow be in the old covenant, be in the old dispensation. Today, many Jews are in the old covenant. They they are holding on to these, to the old covenant, to the old dispensation. They treasure it to the uttermost. But yet they don't have the reality. In other words, they're remaining in the holy place. At best, they have light and, and nourishment. But as soon as we touch our spirit, as soon as we, in, we can, the way is not open. As soon as we exercise our spirit, that way, that veil has been rent. So as soon as we exercise our spirit, 
We're in the Holy of Holies. And we are in the reality of the new covenant. We are in the reality of all that God has bequeathed to us. All his promises to us has been fulfilled. This, this whole, it's a, new te- it's a testament, right? It's not only just a covenant. It's a, it's a testament. Okay, this, that's why it says it's a testament. Okay, yeah, I just have a, a new, t- it's a testament. In other words, it's been written down. When we get into this testament through our spirit, then it becomes a reality to us. Then all that God is promising to us becomes a reality to us. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, we don't want to be those remaining in the first in the first tabernacle, right? Okay, so I want to share a little bit first on the first tabernacle. Um, uh, what aspects we see in Hebrews chapter 9 of the first tabernacle and what do we see of the uh, second tabernacle? So the first tabernacle, it says that verse 1, it says it's of this world. Okay, it's not of heaven. It wasn't heavenly. It was of the world. And then in verse 10, he says, um, uh, let me just read this a little bit in the middle of the verse. Being ordinances of the flesh. So it was ordinances that were according to the flesh, not the spirit, not not life. Okay, in verse 9, it goes further to say, and I believe this is because it's the ordinance of the flesh. It says uh, it's unable to perfect according to conscience him who worships. So the worship that was given, there were the gifts, there were the sacrifices, but these could not perfect any of those worshipers. We cannot be perfected by remaining in the holy place, by remaining in ordinances. In, in ways of doing things, in practices that has no life in it. But the new covenant is a covenant of life. It is now the law. We are no longer under the, the law of letters, but we are under the law of the spirit of life. The law of letters was the ordinances of the flesh. But in the new covenant, we have the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life, in Romans 8, it says, for there is no condemnation for those who are in the spirit. It says that the, 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 the righteous requirements of the law are being fulfilled in those. Let me just read that verse. It's, it's Romans 8 verse 3. For the law could not, for that which the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of the flesh of sin, concerning sin, condensing in the flesh, And verse 4 says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the spirit is where this is being made real to us, brothers and sisters. The spirit, if we are in the Holy of Holies, the law is being fulfilled in us. Okay, then it says this was a type. It was a parable of the new covenant. So, so the so the, 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 this first tabernacle, what we have to see is that it was just a type. It was showing us something of reality, but it was not the reality. It was just a type, okay? And then I mentioned these verses in verse 8 that the, uh, 
the way to the Holy of Holies was, has not yet been manifested. And in, later on, in chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, it says, Having therefore, brothers, boldness for entering the Holy of Holies in the blood of Jesus, which entrance he initiated for us as a new and living way through the veil, that is his flesh. So the way has not yet been manifested. They had no way to go in. Okay, so now the, we know that the Holy of Holies is equal to the new covenant. We don't want to remain in the old covenant. We don't want to remain in the, in the first tabernacle as a type of the old covenant, showing us what the old covenant was. We want to be in the Holy of Holies, where we have God's presence, right? Where we have God's uh, speaking, where we have contact with God, and we can meet with God. Okay, so now, what do we have in the, uh, in the, in the Holy of Holies, in the, uh, uh, the second tabernacle, right? Okay, in the second tabernacle, everything, is real. Everything of God is now made a reality to us. Okay, I'll just uh, um, mention a few points related to this, and then I have a bit of uh, just a bit something I just want to share at the end. So, verse eleven says, "But Christ, having come as a high priest of the good things uh, that have come into being through." the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Okay, so here we see that the first thing was that Christ had to come. In order to open up the way to the Holy of Holies, there was the need of Christ to come as our high priest. He had to come as a man with both divinity and humanity. And thus he could open the way. Now the way has been opened by our high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies. Then the second thing is that this tabernacle, later on in verse 11, it says, and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands. That is not of this creation. So this tabernacle was not something made by hands. The, seven, the second tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, was something of God. Okay. And so now in verse 10, the writer tells us, consisting only of foods and drinks and various washings being ordinances of the flesh imposed until the time of setting things right. Okay. Now this, this word setting things right can also be rendered reformation. So before Christ came, there were all these things, right? All the sacrifices, all the, all the worshiping, but it wasn't yet said right. Okay, and, 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 and I'll, uh, I'll point out some things why we say that. Okay, but, but so now that Christ has come, he's set things right. That's not a full restoration like we'll have when Christ comes a second time, according to Acts 3 verse 21. But this is a matter of us now being in a position to enter into this place where we have God's presence, where we have his speaking, where we have his contact with him and we can meet with God, where we have God himself. So 
between man and God, things were not right, okay? But when Christ came as a high priest, he set things right. Okay, so what was the first thing that he did? Um, Christ came a high priest of the good things that have come. Okay, so the first thing that, that he did in his coming was he came as a high priest. Okay, I mentioned that already. Now, the second thing is Christ entered once for all into the Holy of Holies and found an eternal redemption and he consummated the new covenant. Okay, that's a lot, right? But, okay, verse 12 tells us, and not through the blood of bulls, of goats and calves, but through his own blood, entered once for all into the Holy of Holies, obtaining an eternal redemption. Okay, so in, in the Old Testament, when the, uh, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he would sprinkle the blood. They called it, uh, there was the, uh, I need to get that reference. It's Leviticus 16. Okay, let me just quickly go there. Um, there was expiation made for man, okay? It actually says uh, in Leviticus 16 verse 15, upon the expiation cover, okay? So what happened is that there was this, there was these sacrifices made and they would put these, this blood on the expiation cover on the day of expiation or the day of atonement. And what that, what that signifies is that it signified the covering of man's sins. Okay, Man's sins had to be covered by blood because otherwise there was no way for man to enter into God's presence. There had to be a covering of our blood. But you know what happened when Christ came? When John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And what does he say? Who takes away the sins of the world. He takes it away. So Christ, he obtained an eternal redemption. And then he went into the heavenlies and he sprinkled this blood on the heavenly tabernacle, on the heavenly expiation cover. So now there's not a, there's not a, this blood doesn't cover. This blood takes away. Now it doesn't just cover our sin, but it takes away our sin. Okay. So in verse 14, he says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Okay, so when he came, he, he, he offered himself, in his, in his, his, he offered his body, which is in time, right? But yet it was by the eternal spirit. So when Christ died, that that sacrifice of his was eternally effective. So that blood is not just effective to take away our sins or take away sins that I uh, commit uh, up to the time that I believe or, or after I believe. That blood of Christ, he, was, he offered himself through the eternal spirit. In other words, his blood is eternally effective. In other words, his blood takes away the sin of everyone who believes into him. Every one of the saints in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in those who have passed away, those who are still coming, all the sins I've committed, all the sins I'm still going to do. 
Christ's blood is eternally effective. And so this covenant is not just like the old covenant, right? In the old covenant, there was a covering. But in the new covenant, there is a taking away through the blood of Christ by the eternal spirit. And not only did he take away our, blood, our, 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 our sins, but now because he's done this, the second half of verse 14 says he purified our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Because God is living, we can't serve him if our conscience is not clear. If there's some blemish on our conscience, the, the main part of our spirit, then there's no way for us to serve the living God. But now his blood is, is purifying our conscience. He's making our conscience pure that we can serve the living God with his, with his life, right? We no longer have to have dead works, works that come out of our old covenant, works that come out of our old, of our old man. No, we are a new creation in the living in the new covenant when we exercise our spirit and we live by the spirit. And so our living becomes something that can be serve the living God. Okay, the last uh, point I just want to make is that uh, the Lord came in verse 15, it says, and because of this, he is the mediator of a new covenant. Okay, so uh, a mediator, I think is someone who kind of enforces. Okay, so there's a, there's a testament, there's a will from someone, they have certain things that they have bequeathed to someone, that they have willed to someone. And now when they pass away, someone comes and they make sure it happens. Okay. So the Lord Jesus, he is the enforcer and the executor of the new covenant. In other words, he makes sure that the new covenant is worked out. He is the mediator of a new covenant. And what does he, what does he, what does he give us? Might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So brothers and sisters, this to me, I just feel that maybe the Lord really opened our eyes to see what it is that he wants for us. Sometimes I feel my life is quite complicated because I have expectations of God that are not according to him. That's not according to his word and that's not according to his promises. That he has promised us. You know, the, the, the New Testament, for instance, when we covered uh, Hebrews chapter 7, I was really impressed with that verse where it says that he is able to save to the uttermost those who come forward to him. And so, but what happens to me is sometimes I think I maybe my, my son has been sick for some time and then I pray and I pray and I pray that the Lord would heal my son. And then I take him to the doctor and then the doctor says to me, actually, okay, my wife took my son and the doctor told her he's actually quite sick and you need to give him some medicine, okay? And then I can either say, well, I don't believe in medicine. I believe in God. I believe in the living God. He's going to heal my son. And why do I need this medicine? Let's take the medicine and throw it into the dustbin and I just believe and exercise my faith that God will heal him. But dear brothers and sisters, what God wants to give us is not just do things for us.
But you know what he wants to give us? He wants to give us himself. He wants to give us all that he is, all that he has accomplished. He wants to, for instance, this verse in Hebrews chapter 7, he is able to say to the uttermost. Do you, well, what would you rather believe? That uh, I want to have a big house or something? Well, that's not, that's, we cannot, that is a hope. That's not really believing, right? Believing is according to God's word. It's according to the facts of the Bible. The Bible, when the Bible says he is able to save to the uttermost, then we can believe that. We don't have to stand with our failure. We don't have, you know what, our failure and our, and our temper and all the, uh, the mistakes and all the sins and the wrongdoings that we still struggle with, you know what, that is less real than Christ being able to save to the uttermost. And he is the mediator who's going to work this out for us. But I do want us to be impressed by this, that what God wants to give us in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, Paul tells us that he has promised to us, blessed be the God and Father, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly in Christ. God wants to give us himself as Christ through the Spirit. He wants to dispense all that he is into us. Dear saints, may we have the right view of what God is wanting to give us. What can be more precious than this? We should not have these expectations of God to do things for us. We should have an expectation that God is going to give me himself. That God is able to save to the uttermost. We have to have an expectation that his grace is sufficient. Not just an expectation, but the word says that his grace is sufficient. And then we can stand upon that word. And we can tell the Lord, Lord, I believe your grace is sufficient. And that, dear brothers and sisters, as soon as we are in the Holy of Holies and we are in our spirit, that new covenant is real to us. It becomes our reality. All those promises of God in the New Testament becomes real to you and me as soon as we're in our spirit. But isn't your experience the same as mine? As soon as I'm in my mind trying to think, where is God's covenant now? What is he going to promise me? Is he going to give me a new car? Is he going to heal my son? As soon as I get into my mind, then faith is gone. No faith. Faith comes through hearing the word of God. But faith is a matter in our spirit. So as soon as we are in our spirit, we are in the Holy of Holies, the new covenant is real to us. It becomes our reality. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, may we live in the second tabernacle. Amen. Okay, Brother John. Sorry, I went a bit long. Uh -huh. oh, dear, you're full of burden. That's wonderful. <clears throat> yeah. Well, saints, tonight we are on chapter nine. We are the conclusion of the previous three chapters, seven, eight, nine. In these three chapters, it is almost the solid food. This is the book of Hebrews. These are full of solid food. In these three chapters, 
we need chapter nine to make a conclusion of these three chapters in order for us to understand these three chapters. We need to understand the four period of time. Okay. Number one is before the first manifestation of Christ. Number two is the first manifestation of Christ. And number three, between the first and the second manifestation of Christ, that interval time. And number four is the second manifestation of time. You need to have this four period of time in order to understand these three chapters. Number one, again, before Christ come. Number two, first Christ first coming. Number three, in the interval between the first and second coming. And number four, the second coming of Christ. This is the key to understand these three chapters. And without these four distinction, you cannot understand these three chapters. Like the Hebrew believe, Hebrews believers, they are just circling, then they lost. And again, what Adrian mentioned is we should not linger in the holy place, but we should get into the holy of holies. And just like this week, Hollywood for Morning Revival, maybe after the meeting, we can have a kind of, a kind of um, go to the outline, you will see. This week shows us the history of the ark. Like the history of the ark also got five stages. It is so easy to remember, but this week is so enlightened. You want to know the history of the ark? That means the history of Christ and the church. The ark and the tabernacle, you need to know there are five stages in the history that revealed to us in these three books, Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. These three books reveal to us the history of the ark and the tabernacle, the five stages. After the meeting, you go and out, download the outlines. Number one is a normal condition. That is, the ark is inside the tabernacle. That is, the Christ is inside the church. And then the second stage is they took the ark out. So the tabernacle become an empty shell. That's the second stage. That is, the church become a Christless church life. That is in the first and second century. People, they just want a formality, a form. It become a Christless church. Christ has been taken out. 
during the time of Eli. They want to fight. So they take the, they forget about the church. Sorry, they forget about what Christ wants to do. They just take Christ out. So that, that, that tabernacle in Shiloh become an empty shell. It becomes a Christless church, arkless tabernacle. And then that ark has been taken, come to the third stage. And then that ark keep traveling from Abinad all the way, keep going on, keep going on. They put it into, into the idols and then the idols next day fall down and then they take away and then they got this tumor and then they got the rats or whatever to eat the farm. They don't know what to do, but they just carry ark everywhere. At the end, go to the house of Abinadab. Then Abinadab there for stays for 20 years and then go to uh, the house of, of Beth Edom. That's the third stages. It becomes a churchless Christ. They just want the ark, but they don't want the tabernacle. So that ark is naked, just keep going everywhere. From the second century until today, there are many Abinadab but there are many Obed Edom. They just want the ark. They don't want the tabernacle. They just want Christ. They don't want the church. That is the third stage. The second stage is Christless. Third stage is churchless. <laughs> no church. They just want Christ. Boy, that... that that ark is just nowhere to go. And then the fourth stage is David. Bring the ark back from the house of Obed-Edom to his own choice place. And that is improper because at that time, the, the tabernacle is still in, in, in Gibeon. But David said, no, 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 I built a place, bring the ark here to my own city. That's why he's happy, he's dancing, he's rejoicing. But God said, David, bring the ark to my place. David said, no, 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 this is the right place, the best place. So the ark finally come into the good place, but it's still improper. No, this is the fourth stage. Can you remember? And then finally, David, his son Solomon, built the tabernacle. Then that ark was brought into the temple. Okay. Then the temple, oh, finally, that ark said, oh, I got home, praise the Lord. <laughs> wow, quite a long journey. From the first stage, the ark is inside tabernacle. And then second stage, that tabernacle become a Christless tabernacle. The third stage become a churchless ark. That ark is no housing. And then fourth stage, David with his own good heart, he bring the ark to a nice place, but that is still improper. Now, sometimes we are looking for a church life. We enjoy, 
but still improper. And finally, the ark brought into the house of Solomon. And then that is how God's house has been finally built up. Since today we approach people, we're having the church life. The new wine needs a wine skin. You cannot just, I want wine, I don't want wine skin. Or I just want the wine skin, I don't want wine. It's still empty. It's a home. Now, let's come to Hebrew chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 7 and 8 and 93 chapters. Uh, I continue for the verse that Adrian mentioned. Uh, the first stage is before Christ came. That is in verse 10, okay? chapter 9, verse 10. Okay? That all these things, these two tabernacles, they have the ordinances, they have the sanctuary, everything is there. And then verse 10, even including all the ordinances of food and drinks and different kind of washing and ordinances of the flesh in order to apply, in order to impose, to apply it until the time of setting things right. That means before Christ came, Everything is not come right. Everything is just shadow. Everything is just plan. Just like we want to build the house here. Before the house was built, we got a lot of drawings. But all just drawings. Architect drawing, plumbing drawing, electricity drawing, garden drawing, all kind of drawings, structural drawings, all just planning. Nothing come into real nothing come into the real place yet. In fact, it's still not come right. It's a little bit quite not settled right because all just planning. Before Christ came, Abraham pray, Moses pray, David pray, all these things are just drawings. It's just type. They don't know what is going on here. They just all the drawings until Christ came. Okay. That is underline the word time of setting. That's the time of setting. When before Christ came, okay, all kind of planning is there, but it's still in the Old Testament, just like they're all wandering in the holy place. In holy place, they have the table, they have the lampstand, but what Adrian mentioned, but they is still quite far from God. God is in the holy of holies, but then the holy place. In the holy place, there are four no's. You can write it down. Number one, no God's presence. Number two, no way to get to reach God. And number three, no room for God speaking. And number four, no God meeting with men. That is in the holy place. Before Christ came, everything is still all the planning, all the picture, all the design, but no reality, no reality. So when the time of setting things right. That's the first time, the first manifestation of Christ. And that setting means uh, a kind of reformation. 
put footnote 10, okay, 10 to put things in order, setting things straight. The time of setting things right occur at Christ's first coming. Before Christ come, everything demakar. <laughs> everything is just planning. Okay. When he fulfilled all the shadows of the Old Testament, that the new covenant might replace the old. That is right arrangement, the right order. So we call that, that is the reformation. And that reformation is not talking, the reformation, the book of Acts talking, that the book of Acts talking is about the millennial kingdom. That's too, too a bit later. But when Christ come, everything is come right. What is something come right? Three things. Number one is verse 11. But Christ come, having come as a high priest. Here you say, okay, on that having, right, number one. Okay, the first thing, right, is Christ come as a high priest of the good things and have, to, and have come into being through a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, but that is, all right, that is not of this earthly creation. And number two, what makes the things right? That is in verse 12, encircle the word and. Number one is what? High priest. And number two, and what? And this one, he come for what? He come to enter into the Holy of Holies. First, he come as high priest. He's the real high priest. Aaron, all the high priests in the Old Testament is just doing, but Christ is the real high priest. And number two, he come enter into the Holy of Holies. That's number two. On top of into Holy of Holies, you write number two, circle it. What did he do enter in the Holy, Holy, Holy of Holies? He obtained the eternal redemption. Not temporal, but eternal. What Adrian mentioned, temporal is the, the covering the blood, use the blood to cover, to cover, to cover. What that cover means, that cover, they do it every day to remind them that they are waiting for Christ. That is just a temporal. But Christ came, the real thing come in, he entered the Holy Holies, obtaining the eternal redemption. Then 13, because all the blood of the gods and bulls, they are, they cannot purify. They just cover it. And then number three, what did he do? Verse 15, N, another N. And what? And because of this, he is the mediator of the new covenant. These three things. Number one, he come as a high priest. Number two, he enter into the Holy of Holies to obtain the eternal redemption. And number three, he come as the mediator of the new covenant. You know what's mediator? Mediator is the one who executes. I love this one. He's the agent. Christ, he is not only the mediator, he's also the promise, 
He's also the covenant. He's also the guarantor. He's also the witnesses. At the end, he's also the new covenant itself. <laughs> you know, did you ever buy, for example, you're gonna buy a house. <laughs> you need an agent. You need the lawyer. You need the bank. <laughs> you need you, you, you need all the agreement. You know, Christ, he is the house. He is the agreement. He is the agent. He is the money, the bank. <laughs> he is the lawyer. Is the executor at the end? He's the house. <laughs> Hallelujah! He's everything. Did you ever buy a house that everything is in the same items? I love this one. This is the reality. This is Christ. Amen. He is the covenant. He is the mediator. Mediator is agent. Is the executor. Amen. He even he paid the price. He's the bank. I hope I can buy this kind of house. <laughs> Someone, everything. You just you just you just say amen and everything's yours. <laughs> amen. And all these things explained in chapter 9, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17. He is also the confirmed, the, the witnesses, the guarantor. You underline 15, the mediator, 16, the testament, and 17, confirm everything here. All right, let me come to this part to tell you that that's the first part. Before Christ came, everything is still not setting right. When Christ came, now you have to write it down. The the first manifestation of Christ, he done four things. All is revealed in this chapter. Number one, what did he do? He put away the sin by offering himself to God as a sin offering. That is chapter 9, verse 14. He come as an offering. Amen. He put away, not cover, but put away by offering himself. This is so good that he offered himself the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit. The blood and the spirit. The blood of Christ and the eternal spirit. That's the first thing he do. To consummate the Old Testament. Okay. Coming in the in the in the what in the consummation of the age, um, what is that now? Consummation of the age, verse twenty six. Let me read twenty six. Since then, he would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once the consummation of the age, that consummation of the age referring to the consummation of the Old Testament age, not New Testament age, that he has been manifested for putting away the sin through the sacrifice of himself. All the Old Testament, they keep covering, covering, covering until Christ came. Then the age of the Old Testament 
is consummate with Christ's first coming. That one you have to write in your Bible. Consummate of the age. That age is referring to the age of the Old Testament in Christ's first manifestation. Finally, they don't need to cover because Christ already been offered himself. Okay, come back. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm still in point number one, but I like to tell you, go to your footnote. How did Christ offering himself as the blood of Christ? Let's come to your footnote. Now pick up your highlighter and your pen. Box the word or highlight the word, the blood of Christ in footnote 14. 14 1. The blood of Christ. Saints, did you ever see the meaning of the Christ, the blood of Christ? Number one, for the forgiveness. That on top, number one, for the forgiveness of sin. And the new covenant was consummated with it. And that is what we covered last week. Number one, the blood of Christ, forgiveness of sin and covenant. And number two, it accomplished the eternal redemption. That is number two. Not the temporal, but eternal redemption for us. Redemption means buy okay? and purchase the church for God. Okay? For us and for God. He bought the eternal redemption for us, but he bought the church for God. That's the blood of Christ. And number three, that on top number three, he washes us from our sins and purify our conscience, sanctify us. And this blood also speaks something better for us. The blood of Christ can talk, can speak, not only cleanse us, Speak for us. Wonderful. And number four, by this blood, we enter into the Holy of Holies. Through the blood of Christ, we can enter into the Holy of Holies in our spirit because of the blood of Christ. And the last one, number five, the blood of Christ overcame Satan's accuser. Wow. This is the blood of Christ. Oh, Lord. Amen. Okay. Now, number one, we saw Christ, his first manifestation. Number one, putting away the sin through the blood of Christ, and he offered himself to God. And the first manifestation of Christ, number two, he accomplished the eternal redemption. That's verse 12. Amen. Number three, he consummated, established, enacted the new covenant. That is 26 and 28. That he established, putting away and established the new covenant for us. Sorry, not 26, 28. That is Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. When Christ came, he established the new covenant. Remember that the, the feast of the Passover was replaced by the Lord's table meeting. He said, this is my bread. This, this bread is my 
body, this blood, this cup is my blood. So the Lord, he established. In his first coming, he established the new covenant. And number four, in his first coming, he bequests the New Testament for us. Saying so, not only the covenant, the covenant is all kind of promise. And then he died, make the covenant become the testament. No? Just like before you buy a car, you got the brochure. Those brochures are all the promise. This car is good. This car can climb. This car is blah, blah, blah. But still just a promise. Until one day you pay the price, you redeem that car. And then at that time, that car come with a manual. And then that, that manual tell you what this car can do for you. And everything is yours. Now, those brochures become your testament. <laughs> that becomes yours. This is what you can enjoy. This car has air condition, this car has ABS brake, this car has all the safety bag. These are yours. Saints, today we have the Bible. It's not just a promise. This is what we have. You know, when you have that car together with all the manual, you are, that manual is your testament. This is yours because you already redeem it. You already paid the price. And Christ, you know, before he died, everything is just a covenant. It's just a promise. But when someone dies, this covenant, this will become your, your inheritance. That's a testament. Wonderful. Today we have the New Testament. Everything is yours. This is what has been given to you. Amen. <laughs> Oh, saints, we have this new covenant. We also have this new testament. Amen. That is during uh, this is the first coming, first manifestation of Christ. And then after his manifestation, and he bequests all these things to us. And during the interval time between his first manifestation and second manifestation, he also did Four things. What did he do? After his first manifestation, in during his inter, interval time, number one, he entered into the Holy of Holies, which is in heaven. Wow, I love this one. What that means? Before, he, when he was on the earth, on the earth is just an outer court. But now he come in from out the court into the Holy of Holies. <laughs> Amen. When he was on the earth, just like the earth, out the court, you got the bronze altar, you got the labor, all these things. But after his earthly ministry, he entered into the Holy of Holies. This is how Paul wrote to the Hebrew believers. Verse 24, what did he say? For Christ did not enter into the holy place made by hand. That's on earth. No, but he entered into the Holy of Holies in the heaven. Number two, during this interval time, he appeared before God. That is in verse 24. He entered there and then he was there, appeared before God, sitting. Why sitting? 
because all the work has been done. Unlike the priest in the Old Testament, they're standing, they must do that every day, but Christ is done, oh, yeah, sit down. And sometimes they're also standing. When people persecute Stephen, he's standing. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Oh, but anyway, whether he's sitting or he's standing, when we got persecuted, he's standing with us. When it comes to the redemption, he's sitting. Before God, don't ask me, is he sitting or standing? Depend how you experience. And number three, during this interval time, his ministry in the true tabernacle as the high priest, you know, ministry, just like last week we're talking about Melchizedek is feeding, that is ministering, give life to Abraham. He's interceding for us. His interceding is to feed us life with bread and wine. We are on this earth. We are fighting. We're struggling. But he feeding us. He ministered life to us. Especially last week, we talked about all the byproduct of death. Death has been dealt with, but still a lot of byproducts. Okay. All this kind of vanity. Saints, did you feel sometimes you're boring? These are the byproduct of death. Did you feel sometimes you're disappointed, you are hopeless, you are down, you're cold, you give up everything? These are just the byproduct of death. But Christ, he knows. Just like Lot, he is a righteous person, but he was taken by the byproduct of the enemy of death. You know, byproduct is just like Second World War. The American dropped the atomic bomb in Japan. The, the bomb explodes, many people kill. But after that, yeah, the byproduct of atomic bomb, all kind of radiation is still there. So some people were born and then with all kind of defects in their physical body, some kinds of mental problems. All these are the byproduct of atomic bomb. And today, that will kill, we've been dealt with, but still have a lot of byproduct of death. And we are suffer from that. Christ, no, he's a high priest. He's intercede for us. Saints, today you can, you and me can be in the church life because Christ is interceding for us. Just like today, okay, Samuel can be in the church. Samuel can be in the temple because Hannah is praying for Samuel. Well, Praise the Lord today. We have this very Christ. He is in the heavenly, holy of holies. He's interceding for us. Amen. Don't be disappointed. Melchizedek is waiting for us on the road. Before you got home, he is waiting for us on the road. He ministered us with bread and wine. That's number three. And number four, he's executing the New Testament. Amen. He made the New Testament be so real to us, just like what we covered last week. Do you remember this four? And this four. Number one is the law of life. There's an app, app in our spirit called the law of life is running. Number two, we are. He will be our God. We will be His people. Number three, we will be His fellow citizen. These are the three covenant. Number one, the law of life. Number two, the church life. 
Number three, the kingdom life. <laughs> These are the new covenant. We enjoy the law of Christ as the law of life. And then number two, we are his people. We are, he's our God. That's the enjoy the church life. God is our portion in the church life. And number three, we will be a citizen for God's kingdom. We don't need to teach others. You should know God because we're all in the same kingdom. We are the same citizenship. And number four is a kind of reminding because we always feel, Lord, did you, can, can you, oh, can you forgive me again? The Lord said, oh, what do you say? I forget. It's forgive, it's forget. And he forget all our sins. That is actually not the main one. That is just a supplement. Forget our sin. Hallelujah. Amen. So what did he do during this interval time? He's executing the new covenant into us. Amen. We got three stages now. The fourth stages is his second coming, the second manifestation of Christ. What did he do then? That is on chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, and he will appear second time. That is second coming. The first time he come to do all these things, now he will come again. That's why I say this is the conclusion of these three chapters. He will, first time he come, offer himself. But second time he come, nothing to do with the sin. Because sin already dealt with. Christ coming for a second time is to those who eagerly await him. We are eagerly waiting for him. Okay. That is apart from sin. He did not come to solve our sin because his first coming solved the sin already. But now he's come for what? For salvation. What salvation is this? He come in his second coming is to save us. That salvation, number one, the salvation is the transfiguration of our mortal body. That's our salvation. Amen. At that time, no more pandemic, no more COVID-19, no more tests. Okay? Our transfiguration of our body. Today, this is a mortal body. You can die anytime. But that time, our body will be transfigured. And number two, we will be delivered. Be free from the vanity and all corruption of the, the slavery of all corruption. Sometimes we still feel boring and all this kind of corruption. But at that time, we'll be free, delivered from vanity and the slavery of all the corruption. And number three, the salvation is, is our glorification. That's the goal of our salvation. That his life will be expressed through us. Just like the carnation seed become the flower. The life is fully expressed. That's glorification. And number four, we will bring into the full sonship. We're not only the children of God, but we will full sonship. Children cannot inherit the possession, only the mature sonship. When Christ comes, today he's ministering us. 
to make us mature unto sonship. And the last one, when he comes, we will have a full taste of the first fruit to God. Today in the church life, we are foretasting. But when he comes, amen, we're going to have a full taste. Praise the Lord. Amen.